Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 133 in Edmonton. Just before we bring aboard John Shannon, our NHL insider, we were talking, we had a question about James Neal, Milan, Lucic, and the conditional third round pick. Uh, the conditions are as follows. Two conditions have to be met for the Edmonton Oilers to send a 2020 third round pick to the Flames. James Neal needed to score at least 21 goals in 2019-20. Well, he did not score 21 goals. And Flames forward Milan Lucic scores at least 10 goals fewer than James Neal. Well, he did, but the two need to be met. If only one or none of the conditions are met, the Edmonton Oilers will not be sending a draft pick to the Calgary Flames as part of the July 19th trade. My understanding, again, on this one is that the league actually wants the teams to revisit and have a conversation uh, so that they don't have to be judge, juror, and adjudicator on this. Uh, I've asked the listeners what would uh, you think is fair. Uh, this texter on the Ashley Fine Floors text line says, I think you got to give Calgary something just to preserve the relationship it's not going to be a third, maybe a fifth at best. Again, um, all right, James Neal compensation. This would be more of a goodwill swap. Calgary gets our fourth, and Edmonton gets Calgary's fifth-round pick. Well, I mean, fourth and fifth round, the, the percentages of the player panning out are almost identical, like they're around, I don't know, 8 or 9%, something like that. Though the Oilers did get Caleb Jones in the 4th and Ethan Bear in the 5th in 2015, they also got John Marino in the 6th. We bring aboard John Shannon, our NHL insider. John, I know that the league is, my understanding is the league's asked the various teams that have these conditional picks in play to sort of initially attempt to resolve it themselves. Is that correct? Is that what you've that's heard? Not, that's my understanding, Bob. I mean, what the league doesn't want to have to arbitrate all of these trades that occurred in the summer or the ones that occurred at the deadline and some of the uh, some of the qualifiers uh, didn't actually occur and uh, you know bill daly doesn't want to be sitting and arbitrating between two teams like this but whether brad Treliving and ken holland can come to some side deal that satisfies both needs uh, i suspect we won't even know or see that until well the day before the draft 
uh, yeah. in October. And again, the Oilers uh, traded uh, two number twos to get Andreas Athanasiu, and then they traded a four to get Mike Green. I'm sure they'd love to hold on to that number three. They've lost that fourth-round pick, which could have become a third-round pick if Green had played greater than half the uh, Oilers' playoff games and they've gone to the conference final. Uh, we've not talked about it on today's show yet, but uh, apparently Pittsburgh doesn't want Toronto either. Uh, this story has <laughs> right. just... This, uh, does anybody want the Blue Jays anymore? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, the Canadian government uh, did not allow Major League Baseball. They didn't agree with the Major League Baseball's plan. So the Blue Jays can't have American teams coming in there and playing. So now Toronto's looking for a new home. Uh, did you see Randall? Uh, is it Gritchick? Is that How do you pronounce his name? Yeah, uh, Randall Gritchick, yeah. You see his comment about Buffalo? I do. Oh, man. That's your but, uh, and, and I still would not be surprised. I've said it all along. I mean, I I, I actually asked a few people in Buffalo. I, I still think in the end that's where the Blue Jays uh, will end up. Uh, they're going to yeah. have to add lighting to the stadium in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, some of the, the clubhouse uh, facilities aren't, aren't that good. But when you consider the players are, are supposed to get, you know, if you change the hotel and shower at the hotel, I mean, what's the difference what the clubhouse looks like? So there's going to be, uh, it'll be interesting whether it's Baltimore's next or uh, some other place. I mean, who, who knows where, who knows right now where the Jays are going to play. It's certainly not going to be at Rogers, uh, Rogers Center, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, does it just reinforce how much better the NHL plan is than Major League Baseball's? Uh, better, better is a, 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 a strong word. It's different, you know. For some reason, uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, decided that uh, that he needed uh, teams to play in their own arena, uh, own own stadiums, and you know we don't know why. They did they did look at hubs initially as well, um, and 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 let's face it, the relationship between the the major leagues and major league baseball players association uh, are totally totally different than what has appeared and uh, and and when when the cba has been extended for four more years in the nhl between uh, the pa and the league so it, there are some strange things that have happened in baseball that i think other leagues have learned from well baseball dating back i mean hey predating uh don fear was it marvin miller baseball marvin has miller, yeah. Yeah. Baseball has always had a fairly, <laughs> uh, at times, antagonistic relationship between... Acrimonious is a good one. Yes, word. yes. I, I, I was going to go over acerbic. Uh, I don't know if that's right. Anyways, yes, let's go acrimonious. There's been a history of that. I remember one of the greatest skits ever on Saturday Night Live. Uh, John, I don't know if you remember this one. It was a cruise joining Major League Baseball players during the uh, 94 uh, lockout? Was that a <laughs> no. strike or a lockout in 94? I'm trying to remember. Oh, that was a strike. That was a strike. So it was a cruise during the 94 strike. And it, they, they, they said, and you could be joined by, you know, Daryl Strawberry and Howard Johnson. And they slowly started to list, and then they started... And they and they listed all the, 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 the joke was every player in Major League Baseball was going to be on that cruise, all 600 plus players. It made me howl when I saw it was really well done. Yeah, and Saturday Night Live often. Do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live skit from back in the day? Oh, hey, listen, I, I mean, I, I think uh, Martin Short's uh, men's synchronized swimming. Uh, you can and, and you can put we'll find it on YouTube. Is that and it was in individual synchronized swimming. And if you think about it, how redundant that is. 
Yes. Uh, but it was Mar- Marty Short uh, and uh, Billy, Marty Short and Billy Crystal, I think. Who it's amazing. Wow. Both of them were on the show. Um, but that was that was probably my favorite. Yeah, that would now would that have been around the time that Billy Crystal was on soap or a little after soap? Oh, after soap! Holy uh, smokes! How old are you? I mean, come on, Bob. People, you know, come on. Billy Crystal reinvented himself by going on Saturday Night Live and doing, uh, you know, famous impressions, and uh, and then uh, went on to to much better things. But it was the, his, uh, re, you know, his uh, arrival on Saturday Night Live that you know regenerated his uh, his career. How about his Muhammad Ali? Oh yeah. Well, he, when he can actually do. Um, uh, he could do both Howard Cosell and Muhammad Ali, which was the best part because the Cosell-Ali conversations over the years were just fantastic. Now, would you consider Cosell to be one of the ten greatest sportscasters of all time? Um, I would consider Howard Cosell to be one of the ten greatest impactful sports announcers of yeah. all time. Greatest? No. Um, but but in many ways, if you look at where sports broadcasting has gone and, and come from, um, there was nobody with opinion until Cosell showed up. Exactly. No one would uh, stick his neck out and say something controversial. And got himself in trouble every once in a while. Um, and, but at the same time, Cosell changed the landscape. Was he a great announcer? No. Was he an impactful announcer? Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen that metaphor get extended to how news coverage is done today, especially in the States. It is about opinion journalism in a lot of different places, right? It's not just, you know, well, that, that so, goes, it's not Walter Cronkite anymore, you know what I'm well, saying? No, but that goes, that goes back to, I mean, and I hate to do a history lesson here, but that goes back to the Ronald Reagan administration when they actually changed the laws about uh, about uh, editorial content on television networks because in the old days of over the air you had i mean it, there was a doctrine you had to be fair right. you, all you could do was provide content and not give information and during the reagan the reagan second term he actually had the congress and he signed off on it to rewrite that law and you know who the driving force behind that law was bob it was a guy named roger ailes yes Fox. Who uh, went on to uh, reinvent, uh, you know, cable TV news and was the founder of Fox News and changed yep. it all for all of us. Well, Rush Limbaugh was a guy that would have benefited from, uh, you know, because he sort of that's right on radio, grew yeah. through the late '80s into the '90s and became a huge star, right, as yep. a result of the yep. liberalization. I don't know if that's the right word, but the change in the interpretation of that law. All right, well, back to the sports stuff in a second here. Uh, you're. <laughs> It, it is an interesting, you know, it doesn't all, look, we haven't had a, we haven't, we haven't had a puck drop, John, in the last, you know, 100 plus days, so. Uh, well, actually, if memory serves me, we will have had a longer gap between games in March and August 1st, because of preseason, we don't count. Right. What exhibition games we don't count. Then the Blues and Bruins between the end of the Stanley Cup final last year and the start of the regular season. So I think this yeah. is a longer gap, so. When you think about it, this is a long, this is an eternity for hockey fans. Okay, perfect. Uh, yes, and uh, just get give me your thoughts on the Hart Trophy. The uh-huh. nominees were announced yesterday. Yeah, Leon Drysaddle, Artemi Panarin, Nate McKinnon. What do you got? 
Well, I'm biased. I think it's Leon's to win. I really do. I, I think I think uh, all three of them were were contributing factors to their team's success. Uh, Panarin, um, in in the in, in the old rules of the National Hockey League, 82 game schedule, there was a good chance that Panarin, um, his team would not have made the playoffs. So therefore, to be he's, I mean, I think you have to be in the playoffs to win the Hart Trophy. Yep. Um, I, I just, I mean, I, I saw enough of Leon, and I saw how, how dominant Leon was, with or without Connor, uh, that I think that, uh, and the numbers that Leon put up, and the and the impact he had on his teammates, that I, I, I would, I would tell you right now that uh, from, you know, from mid December on, I think Leon Dreisaitl was the best player in the National Hockey League. Uh, I would never suggest that. You know, I, I always worry when guys sit there and tell me how hard they work. Usually those are the guys that don't work as hard as maybe some others do. Uh, but, they're, you know, the writers vote on this. And think about the nature of writing, especially when you're out in the East. Uh, because you're writing your post-game story. After, and I, I realize it's moved a little. It's not quite like it was 15, 20 years ago. But your your, your game starts out East at, uh, you know, at seven o'clock and mm-hmm. game's over at nine thirty, and you got to bang it off, and you got to get a deadline by. You know, it used to be a deadline for I don't know ten thirty or eleven o'clock. You're pounding away trying to get that done. You're not focused on the games in the Western Conference. I don't know if it's as much of an issue now because everything's available the way it is through the internet and that sort of thing. But is is that a little bit of a concern in terms of you know do you think that maybe the guys out west and you've john you produced all those games during the glory days of the Oilers back in the 80s you know like we sit there for a seven o'clock game at rogers place and we're watching games between sure. five to six forty-five out the east we watch a lot of eastern conference hockey i don't know if the same is said for the west what do you think it's not it's not which is what makes amazing that two two teams from the mountain time zone have guys in the hard trophy uh, uh, race. Um, and and from, from my perspective, what happened in the 80s was that, uh, that, that the Oilers of that point forced, forced uh, the hockey world to, to, uh, to stay up later. Now, not every game was televised, so when the Oilers were on television in the East, it, it was truly an event. Um, I think the fact that uh, that with Connors showing up and now Leon being there, I think that it has it's piqued a lot of interest again uh, in the Eastern markets. The, the one thing you, you, you say and you have to be concerned about, uh, Bob, quite frankly, is, is is population. You know, are there more? Are there you know there are more people in the Eastern Time Zone and the Central Time Zone than there is in the Pacific, and 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 then there's a same amount of compensatory writers in those populated areas too, and are are there enough of enough writers that haven't taken the time to to watch the Oilers play or watch the Avalanche play, uh, or even uh, you know when when the three California teams were so good, uh, did anybody watch how good some of those players are, mm-hmm. and do they get enough attention? To me, it's it's to me to, as a guy who has watched too much hockey through his life. What Leon did this year was well worth the hard trophy. Um, but at the same time, with, with the amount of people that are in the Eastern time zone, uh, you have to think that the, you know, the, the population base of writers in the Eastern time zone might sway it to somebody else. Uh, you brought up a real interesting point about the California teams because I think back to the 12-13 season, the lockout oh. short year, yeah. the entire schedule for the Oilers was against the West. And Vancouver was still, at that time, a, a pretty good club. 
I mean, they went to the Stanley Cup final in 2011, uh, and, and they were a heavier, bigger team. You know, Kessler was in Vancouver. Biaxa was there. Anaheim was Anaheim. San Jose was San Jose. In L.A. were the defending Stanley Cup champs, right? They yep. won the Cup in 2012. And I just, I, I remember having this conversation with guys out in the East, like, you don't realize how much more physical those teams are in the West. Bigger, heavier teams, and the Oilers have a smaller skilled team, and they might, you know, and they, ah, you guys aren't that good. And I'm like, well, how'd you know? There's no crossover. You don't know what it's like. Now, ironically, the crossover the last couple of years has favored the Eastern Conference teams because there's been a drop-off in some of those specific division teams. But it is a... Uh, you know, there, there's no debate the league's moved away from those sort of teams. And does that play into Edmonton's advantage a bit? Uh, what's, you know, now that you've had some time to digest, and it looks like we're going to play, who do you think's, like, which fan base should be feeling more confident about the direction that they're going here uh, with the playoffs starting? The fan base in Toronto with the Hub City or the fan base in Edmonton with oh. the Hub City? Um. Oh, I, no, I, I think that Edmonton's in, in, in better stead. Uh, I, I really do. Um, uh, uh, to me, when you look at uh, the depth of the forwards and, and how things have changed in, in Edmonton since uh, Yamamoto ended up becoming a factor, it changed the whole personality of, of those top two lines. It, it, you know, it, it took a ton of pressure, and don't, you're going to laugh at you might laugh at me, but it took a ton of pressure off Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who was moved around like a yo-yo. Um, and, and and at times in, in those in top two lines, and with Yamamoto becoming such a key factor for this club with his speed, with his tenacity, that all of a sudden Dave Tippett had the opportunity to run two great lines, and then then Nugent Hopkins could be used as an asset, whether it be at wing or even as a third center. And and to me, uh, I think it's it's strengthened everybody down the line. And the same issue in Toronto. They're four or five great players. You know, when you their their second half players, their their bottom six, at times didn't respond the way you wanted them to. You know, you know, Kasperi Kapanen didn't have a very good second half of the season. Janssen was hurt most of the second half of the season, to the point where, you know, we're we're seeing some of the kids that were in the Marlies, and some of the kids that were in junior hockey. That, that may actually play in Toronto long before we see somebody of that ilk, although Broberg's looking pretty good, is that ilk uh, yep. at some position for the Oilers. Um, to me, b- the biggest difference and the biggest challenge for both teams, both are fast, both are big, both can score goals almost at will, is what's going to happen in goal, what's going to happen with Koskinen or Smith, and what's going to happen with Freddie Anderson. And, 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 I mean, that may be true for the whole playoff. Goaltending is certainly such a factor. But to me, as much as you look at what the Oilers are, you have to look at whether, whether Miko or Mike can make a difference early on, particularly in that series against Chicago. John, final one for you. Just give me 40 seconds. Uh, you're working on something new that's out there via podcast world, uh, world with Bob uh, McCown. Yeah, yeah, McCown, I found him on the street one day, and, and he decided that he wanted to, you know, get back into the chair. So he had a couple of days a week, we, uh, we're we doing a podcast uh, that's on all the uh, the different, uh, it's not, you know, it's not as popular as Oilers now on the podcast, Bob, but uh, we're, we're doing our best to, uh, to keep McCown entertained and employed. Well, there you go. I, I'm, you know, because, I mean, 
He's it's tough to to you know kind of live off what he was making all those years on Sportsnet back in the day. Way, uh, very tough, like, very tough, and all that wine he drinks. You know. Well, there's been plenty of whining on this show. Let me tell you, John. Thanks for your time. Have a great day, Bob. <laughs> you bet. One fifty one in Edmonton. We'll wrap up the show after this. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. It's 153 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. To this day in Oilers history, back in the 630 Chet Studios, here's Brendan Escott. And back on this day in 1988, the Oilers trade Jeff Cortnell to the Capitals for Greg Adams. Cortnell went on to score 42 goals for the Capitals and put up 20-plus goals in eight of his next 10 seasons. Adams had just nine points in 49 games with Edmonton before being flipped to Vancouver for a minor league journeyman the very next season. Well, that one didn't work out for slats, but he made a pretty good deal when he traded Jimmy Carson to Detroit and got back uh, Graves Murphy and Klima in that trade. Uh, tomorrow is Truculent Thursday on Oilers Now. We'll have Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque, Sportsnet's Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar, and George LaRock. So Louis DeBrusque, George LaRock, Brian Burke. Tonight on Inside Sports, what's Reed Wilkins got shaken? A lot. He's got your broadcast partner, Jack Michaels, uh, Edmonton football team offensive lineman, David Beard, Global Edmonton reporter and uh, football cheer team alumni member Margot Marin. They've got Jay's TV play-by-play voice Dan Shulman and Jamie Nye from CJME Radio in Regina on the CFL. All right. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 630 Ched Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.